Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. We're back, baby. It's the Charity Stripe. Pitch your free throws because they are free. Fisher DeSapos, DJ, Nikki, Snacks, Kreider. Football one week away officially. Very exciting times. Some of the worst times, though, in sports is cuts. You hate to see a player, especially, you know, young guys trying to make the team get cut. One of the craziest cuts of the week. And in a very unfortunate pack your bag, stick a fork in yourself. You done segment. Pack your bags, Pete. Pack your bags. Go back to nowhere, Phil. Stick a fork in them. They're done. Pack your bags. Stick yourself. Pack your bags. Stick a fork in yourself. You're done. Doug Peterson cut his own son, Josh Peterson. Ruthless, fair, or how do you guys feel about it? Fair. I mean, the fact that he got an opportunity in the first place, I think it's pretty nice. But, I mean, business. I mean, like, if you're not performing and you're not producing, then it's time to get cut. Simple as that. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's fair. I think it's important that we don't forget that this is Doug Peterson's second year in Jacksonville. Two years ago, they fired a coach in the middle of the season. Um, He was not, he lost his job in Philadelphia. They went, they explored other options. Like you don't have time to, to mess about, especially with a franchise like Jacksonville, where you're trying to build something with Trevor Lawrence. And um, you certainly can't be showing preferential treatment um, just in any circumstance, but if you felt that the talent wasn't there from uh, young Petey, then he has to, he has to let him go. Um, but hopefully he finds a spot. He's on the practice, practice squad. Yeah. It's practice squad. Yeah. 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 They signed him to the practice squad. So, I mean, he's still with the organization at the end of the day, but he was fifth on the depth chart and like, you're really going to, I don't, you can't carry five tight ends. No, it's ridiculous. And practice squad's better than nothing. I mean, also a pack your bags and in a weird way, but not in a weird way. Cause they're both in the practice squad, Bailey Zappi and Malik Cunningham, who was a star this preseason for the new England Patriots. The Pats rocking with one QB on the depth chart right now. In class that's a little, depression. that's a little worrisome in my opinion. I mean, then the day, like people get hurt left and right and you don't want to be in a position where your quarterback goes down and you don't have a contingency plan. It's a little much of a head scratcher for me. At least ride one guy. I mean, uh, not everyone has to have three quarterbacks on the depth chart, but let's do two. I mean, a guy that's already gotten hurt. Like, we know who Bailey Zappi is primarily because he played last year, and you had to in multiple games. So Matt right. Jones has already suffered an injury and has had to come out and miss time. Uh, could this be a destination for Carson Wentz? Could it be a destination for our boy Colt McCoy? I think Colt McCoy 
is either going to hang it up or maybe come somewhere closer to home. I think our buddy Quan said it best that like he's got kids and doesn't feel like uprooting his family. And, you know, I, it really comes down to just like getting the perfect scenario for you as a veteran to go. Because at the end of the day, like he's played some great, some, some great years in his career as a backup, you know, more than most backups get the opportunity to do. And now it's about life and family. So I don't know about Colt McCoy. Carson Wentz is interesting. Cause I mean, we've seen it before. I mean, he's, he's played at a very high level and he's been the starting quarterback for a multitude of franchises now. And I mean, I believe he's an upgrade to Mac Jones, in my opinion. So you really just have to see who's available, you know, and, and who can really kind of fit the scheme and be willing to learn quickly and also gel with Bill. That's the biggest thing, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah I don't know if he's an upgrade. I mean, I think there was a point in his career where we de- he definitely was an upgrade, and he's put together seasons where he was better than what Mac was. I mean, his last season in Philly was his second to last season in Philly was pretty solid, and obviously the Super Bowl run year where he was a top five MVP candidate. Uh, but his last season in Philly was pretty bad. He was pretty decent in Indianapolis, but that last loss to Jacksonville left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, and he was bad in Washington. So I don't know if he's an upgrade, but I do think adding a guy like him into the mix, if Mac Jones isn't what you think he can be, you have a very competent quarterback in Carson Wentz, and the rest of the roster is pretty ready to compete, at least on the defensive side of the football. I will say they can give old Ryan Fitzpatrick a call. That's the last team in the division that he's ever played for. <laughs> that would that that would be fun. <laughs> I mean, the, the, hitting the whole AFC East to be electric out of Ryan Fitzpatrick. I I will say on the Colts side, like the first thought that came into my mind was, uh, it's a bummer because I think the the closer to home thing is definitely right, Nick. Uh, especially what Quan was telling us about his his kids, his family. Um, but the Texans, obviously, no availability there. Davis Mills is the backup, and the Cowboys, right. of course, just traded for a third stringer and have Cooper Rush, who a lot of people think is one of the best backups in the NFL. Um, I, I think also just this Bailey Zappi cutting is is kind of a, hey, by the way, NFL fans, you don't know anything about quarterbacks, quarterback depth charts, because you wanted Cooper Rush to be the starting quarterback after he went 5-1. and one. And guess what? They just traded for Trey Lance and you wanted Bailey Zappi to be the starting quarterback. And guess what? Mac Jones is the only guy in the room. So I think we need to, as a reminder, going into this NFL season, let's slow our roll a little bit when a backup QB comes in and plays well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But if a backup comes in and plays well, they come in and play well, man. I mean, that's how some starters and careers are made. Like Matt Castle came in and he was not even a starting quarterback at USC. You know, he was the backup quarterback in New England, but Brady tore his ACL and he came in and his career was made off that. Yeah, Zappy made the practice squad too. So yeah, he's yeah. in the he, you know if, if if Matt goes down, you know they could elevate Zappy in a week. He's just not available to play in a game that he goes down. Yeah, it would be cool. Like if you're looking at an NFL bucket list for a guy like Colt, like to be able to say you played for Bill Belichick is a pretty cool thing. Or I threw out earlier in the week on our text thread and also on Twitter, like. Green Bay doesn't really have a, a competent backup right now behind Jordan Love. I know there's a ton, a ton of hype around Jordan Love and that I think Ryan Clark even said, who's been just like sitting on a castle of hot takes right now, that Jordan Love <laughs> is going to be the best quarterback in the NFC North, which like, let's slow our roll because Kirk Cousins is still a very solid quarterback. Top 15 Goff, quarterback dude. in the NFL. Goff is and good. Jared Goff is too. Yeah. Like we got it. And, and Justin Fields, like we want him to take the next step forward. You would hope though, in New England that Mac Jones 
is better than Carson Wentz, right? Like we can't have, what are we looking at with that QB draft class? If Trey Lance going into this season and midway through this season, Mac Jones, both top 15 picks are no longer starting quarterbacks in the NFL. And then Zach Wilson. And Zach Wilson as well. Who's already the number two. I mean, like you go to that draft class, the Zach Wilson thing is pretty preposterous. Outside of Trevor Lawrence, you have the selection of anybody you want in that draft class. Not And outside of quarterbacks, you have guys like Chase, Waddle, Parsons, um, I, Sertan in that draft class. You have Sertan, Panay Suel. Like, you have guys that we all knew were going to be really good football players outside of the quarterback. And you didn't necessarily need to go get one. Like, you had Sam Darnold on the roster at that point still. And you didn't know, like, and a lot of us felt that he was just consistently put in bad situations. Uh, And I think San Francisco, being the backup in San Francisco, beating out Trey Lance, I think Shanahan and the rest of the coaching staff saw some level of competency and talent in Sam Darnold where they're like, okay, Brock Purdy, whose, you know, arm is in question with injury. Like, he's their guy right now to back up Brock Purdy. But Wilson, pretty bad pick. The Trey Lance thing is a disaster, and it's going to – it is going to bite the San Francisco 49ers in the ass one way or another. You are not coming out of that trade where you gave up three first round picks for a guy who is no longer on your roster and started less than five games. You're not coming out of that unscathed. You are going and to get burned. What was the return from Dallas? So fifth or fourth? Fourth. Fourth. Okay, so yeah, exactly. Basically trading a fourth round for a bunch of firsts. Um, with Zach Wilson, I like that they're not giving up on it though. I do. because I don't, yeah. I don't think that it's over. You know, I think that, look, he was thrown. We'd say this all the time. Guys can really burn their career down depending on where they go and where they're drafted. If a team takes a quarterback too early, you know, it's a bad situation. You get a bad coaching staff. You don't have enough weapons. It can deteriorate your confidence. It can deteriorate your development. And I think that was the case with Zach Wilson. I think he got a lifeline, though, with Aaron Rodgers coming in, being a mentor to him, where he doesn't have to be the guy. He can just take a step back and learn for a couple of years, right? And hopefully this proves to be very beneficial for him. I mean, two years as a starter, it, it's really not enough. I don't think it's a big enough sample size to say this guy's a complete bust right now. And from what I've heard, I mean, everyone says that Zach's been really impressing people in camp. I mean, he's not going to take over the starting role. They traded for Aaron Rodgers for a reason. But if Aaron's there for a year and two, or two, he learns under him and sets himself up for success, whether it be with the Jets or whether it be somewhere else in the next couple of years. I think it's an okay move for him, and I'm not willing to write him off yet. But as it stands right now, looking at the draft class and all the guys that they've could they could have taken instead of him, could have set them up for way more success. They could have had an extra piece on an already good defense. Um, it just was a desperation move, I think, by the franchise when they didn't have any options to go out and get a quarterback. They were looking for a franchise quarterback, and I think a lot of people were trying to replicate the Kyler Murray, the Justin Fields, the Lamar Jackson. You know, that that st- Jalen Hurts style quarterback where you can do it with your legs and your arm. And we see that there's really only five guys that can do it to that level. I mean, the Colts yeah. are trying to do it, too, with like Richardson, like they're they're bringing him in the building to see if like you can move the ball with your legs. I don't know. I think that I, I'm with you. I think that Zach Wilson, like he will get a second chance at life for sure. Like he's now getting to see, which probably should have, and like back to be like, you can't take a project at number two. He probably should have been a late first round, early second round pick with his talent and his like potential. Like, and you, you sit him behind, like to Ryan Clark's point, and Ryan Clark has been throwing out absolute haymakers. 
which is so sad to see because he was a really good commentator and him throwing out the Pickens take and him throwing out this take too. I mean, it's a little less preposterous than the Pickens take. But again, we're sitting in an AFC North where there are really underrated quarterbacks there. All that being said, Jordan Love got to go to the school of Aaron Rodgers already. He's mm-hmm. held the clipboard for three years now. Now is his time. There right. is a world where he comes in and he like balls out with Dobbs and balls out with Watson, and he has two good running backs there as well. Yeah. We can't always assume, though, that just because – I mean, like I just mentioned it with Zach Wilson, but we can't assume that just because you were learning from Aaron Rodgers, you're going to be a great quarterback. I mean, he's a great quarterback in his own right. doesn't mean he's a good mentor and a good teacher. From what I've seen on Hard Knocks, I mean, he's been he's been fun to watch and he's been cool sure. and he's been great for Zach, but we're going to have to see results. I think the true test is going to see what Jordan Love can do this season. Uh, what did Ryan Clark say about Pickens? I missed that. That he could be the best receiver in the league. Better than I mean, Jetta. that's just a, that's just like a Steelers homer pick. Like you can't really read into that that much. Yeah, but it, I I understand it's a Steelers homer pick, but like at that position, when the let alone Justin Jefferson, he has to jump Chase Hill, Devonte Adams. This is Cooper Cup. This is arguably the best and the deep, at least the deepest group of receivers we've ever seen in our lifetime. This is the best, arguably the receivers I've ever. They're all young. They're all excellent. Like it's like Devonte Adams might not be a top five receiver at the end of this year, even if he has a good year. Yeah, I I take okay. I'm not going to be smirch players' opinions whatsoever. They played in the league. I didn't. We didn't. They have a different perspective. But I will say that most NFL players, when they're talking about specific players that are active, they tend to speak with their heart a lot. So he might have a relationship with George Pickens. He obviously has a relationship with the Steelers there's sometimes a little bit of, of uh, too much hype with certain players that they, they, they try to give too much love to. So I'm not going to read into that take too much. Yeah. I yeah. mean, but like, and again, he can play the game all he wants. Like, like obviously like <laughs> no, he, he knows it better than we do from a playing standpoint, but from an analyst standpoint, like we don't come out and say stuff like that. Even if like, we love the guy, like we love Colt McCoy. We know better. We're not what? Cause we know better. Okay, so like you're no longer a player, you're now an analyst. No better. Yeah, I like I do think um <laughs> I think it's interesting that we're talking about Zach Wilson, we're talking about Jordan Love and the school of Aaron Rodgers. Nick, what you were kind of alluding to is where my sentiment definitely lies. There is no school of Aaron Rodgers. He, he is the, if there is a school and it exists, guess what? The headmaster or the dean or whatever you want to call him, the principal is not showing up to work. Okay? You better be a sponge of sponge. You better be a great barrier reef sponge. If you want to learn from Aaron Rodgers, cause he ain't teaching you. I don't care what I see on, on hard knocks. That's like the school. Yeah. I'm not saying he's sitting down with Zach Wilson, but I think that's the school. Like you better be a sponge. Like you better go and observe. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like a lecture. it's just interesting that like we're, we're here and it's not just Ryan Clark. Like there is a ton of praise around Jordan love from what I have seen when he got the opportunity to play. I did not like what I saw like whatsoever. Um, in fact, I disliked what I saw. There wasn't like, oh, he's being tentative. Oh, he's holding onto the ball. He just wants to protect the ball. He doesn't want to turn it over. Like I felt like there were a lot of things. He just didn't have the speed of the game. So it's, this is a good Packers team. The rest of that roster is really good. And they're going to be in trouble if he's not a guy that can kind of connect the dots, especially because they have young weapons too. It's not like Devonte Adams is still in that locker room and he can be a leader. Um, so it's The Packers are definitely a team. They don't have necessarily a lot of pressure on them, but they're going to be interesting to watch this season, mm-hmm. along sure. with the Jets. 
but they're in a good spot of like if it does if they suck and it doesn't work out with Jordan Love, go get Caleb Drake May and run it and just figure it start restart. You know, I think we're in an interesting time for quarterbacks. Um early two thousands, the nineties, but you know, whatever since the dawn of time of football. Like the NFL has had three five you know six seven elite quarterbacks at one time you know in a single season in a given season and i think as we continue to to grow as a society and as college football you know keeps getting more and more competitive and smaller schools get more competitive and nil money gets thrown around there's better and better athletes every single day that there's a chance that there could be 10 to 15 to 20 elite quarterbacks playing at one time in the nfl and so we're starting to hit that that point. I mean, I, I can count ten right now in the league that are probably truly elite. That I would, you know, if you, they're playing in two thousand five, they'd be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, obviously you have the goat in there. You've got Manning in there, but there are some guys that can really put themselves top the list. And yeah. uh, and I just think nowadays, like you really have to hit on your quarterbacks. Like you don't have an opportunity to to lose out on on missing on quarterbacks because that's going to set your franchise back so far so you know with jordan love and with zach wilson like these franchises just can't they can't kick him to the curb they can't give up on them you know like you have to see this through because then you have to hit the reset button especially if you have a good team under under your wings right now so you know there's so many guys as you mentioned josh in college that are going to be able to set the college world on fire that you know are looking to be heisman hopefuls and first round draft picks and you know We've seen rookies perform right away in the NFL. So, you know, I, I won't be surprised if we're sitting here in five years and almost every single team has an elite guy. I mean, go through. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. You, you go to the like Mac Jones is the worst quarterback in the AFC East. And as I think that's even less in part to who he is as a quarterback. He's fine, but you have Josh Allen, you've the guy that just won back to back MVPs in the last three years, and Aaron Rodgers. You have Tua Tagovailoa, who, when he plays, puts up ridiculous numbers. And then, yeah, he does have great weapons, but he plays really well. And then you go to the AFC North, where Kenny Pickett's the worst. Quarter. Kenny Pickett could be really good this year for a really good and well-run franchise. He is for sure the worst quarterback in that division because you have Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and Deshaun Watson. Deshaun's the third best quarterback in that division. Five years ago, you would never have thought that'd be the case when he was playing for the Texans, lighting it up. Although he was probably the second best quarterback in that division at the time because they had Andrew Luck, the Colts did. Mm. But it, it was probably a toss-up for some people, right? Because of sure, Deshaun, I, I mean, like fantasy and non-fantasy, Deshaun was the top five quarterback in the NFL when he was, but before he got to Cleveland, right? Like, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's wild. I think that at the end of the season, Pickett could be three and Deshaun could be four, depending on how Deshaun plays. More pressure on him, I would say, than, than Pickett. Like, yeah, I mean, what did we see from him last year to be really convinced that he's the Deshaun of old? I'm not giving up on him from a player standpoint, but I'm just saying you're you're right, Josh. There's only like these divisions are so stacked at the quarterback position that we can nitpick on like the third or fourth QB in the division. But outside of that, like there's some really talented guys. We're talking about a, a guy that's more criticized than almost anyone. Yes, he plays for the Cowboys, but Dak Prescott two years ago when he was playing as well as he was. People were saying, who's a better Dallas quarterback, Dak Prescott or Tony Romo? Think about where Tony Romo and the respect that he had 
when he was playing. He was maybe outside of the Breeze, Manning, Brady, Roethlisberger, but he was right outside. He and, and Eli Manning, how many conversations did sportscasters have about who is better between those two guys? Who's more talented? Like, and now we're saying that Dak Prescott might be a better cowboy and, and football player than Tony Romo. Like, that's meaningful. Like, there is so much QB talent. It's going to get better. But it doesn't mean that guys aren't going to, you know, guys aren't going to miss in the draft on QBs. But I think mm. it's more up here with those guys that they miss. It, I it think it's going to be less. With their legs and their arms. It's, it's just because sure, they don't yeah, want to yeah. put in the work. They don't want to study. They, they want to pull the Manziel and never. Town around them, coaching around them. I think it's going to be yeah. less to do with them and more what's around them. And when like, like I think if Anthony Richardson fails this year, I don't necessarily think it's because Anthony Richardson's not talented or doesn't have the skill set. I think it's because they threw him into the fire too quickly. And that's not I his fault. Call, I really wouldn't call anything a failure besides him getting injured or, or you know, having problems off the field. I think they know that this is a year for him just to build and just get some playing time under his belt and to start getting practice in there. I mean, I don't think they have high expectations for their team. I really don't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Look at, what, and look I will... at Justin Fields two years ago. If he, look how low that bar was. He was bad. But they like didn't throw him bad. into the, they didn't even throw him to the wolves right away. But yes, I see what the you're thing saying. Is, though, like like throw like throwing someone into the wolves. Like I feel like in the NFL these days, you have to play. You just have to. Like I understand that there are certain circumstances, like in Rogers' situation where Brett Favre was there, he got to sit for a while. When Rivers was drafted, he got to sit behind Drew Brees for for a hot second. But there are situations now where, you know. You come out of college and you're playing every single day or, or you're playing every single week and you've been playing every single week since you were, you know, in Mighty Mites. You take a year off, then you're rusty as soon as you get back out there. You know, like obviously it happened with Deshaun Watson. He took a year off and he's rusty. Like we see it all the time. Guys come back from injury, they, they're a little rusty. So I think you need those reps. And I don't took I don't two think- years off. Exactly. Exactly. Even more so. And so like if there's a guy, you know, getting thrown into the wolves, it, I don't really know if that I understand that like confidence is, is something that you need to build upon, but like for Anthony Richardson, like if they're going to be a losing team, they're going to be a losing team. I don't think it has anything to do with him. You know, like they're yeah. going to lose with their, with Sam Ellinger too. And so I think all guys are different too. And situations are different. Like I think for a guy like Richardson, a guy like maybe Trey Lance, like Trey Lance hadn't played that much football. So he wasn't getting the types of reps throughout yeah, his exactly. life. You were saying. So for him to play a lot early, Maybe maybe would have been more meaningful rather than having him wait and then having him get hurt and him barely playing football in the last right. five years, let alone just like, the NFL. With Richardson, like he's gonna have to understand this league. It's different than college. Like he's gonna have to understand how his playing style needs to change from when he was in college, right? His tendencies are gonna have to change a little bit. You know, he's gonna can still be able to rely on himself being a good athlete, but you gotta have chemistry with your wide receivers. You gotta understand, you know what your O-line's weaknesses and strengths are. You got to understand, you know, what plays work against certain schemes. Like, it's just, there's something that you just can't learn by watching. You have to do it. Yeah. I, Most I, things, yeah, I'll take I it. would say. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, look, we, I, I'll agree with that. Like, sometimes you just got to grip and rip it. Like, you can watch, I mean, even like, okay, like playing guitar is something I do. Like, I can watch all the YouTube videos I want of these guys playing and take it all in. Like, right. if I'm not getting my hands yeah. in that thing, yeah. like, it's not going to work. Like, um, I do want to say though, yeah, yeah, I I do want to, I do want to say though on the, I was just thinking like the AFC West, 20 quarterbacks have started in the last decade of the Super Bowl. It's like three of them are in the AFC West. 
I mean, Wilson, isn't that great? Wilson, Garoppolo, Garoppolo and Mahomes. And Mahomes, yeah. And then the maybe second Herbert's best quarterback. Next. Maybe Herbert's next. Um, all right. Uh, speaking of next, let's go to the next segment. We'll keep it in football, guys. Let's go to You Gotta Be Kidding Me. You gotta be kidding me. You're kidding me. You're kidding me. Are you kidding me? This guy, are you kidding me? Kidding me. Are you kidding me or what? You've got to be kidding me. you got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. you got to be kidding me. The whole Jonathan Taylor saga, not going to be traded on the pup. We missed the first four games, and it came out that in the Miami Dolphins trade discussions, they wanted Jalen Waddell. Is Ursay back on the bottle? Is he ripping lines out of out of strippers' butts? Like, what's going on with Jim Ursay? Is he kidding me? Is the Colts team kidding me? Like, how do you a not move this guy? B, how is that what you're coming into the negotiations asking for? There's no way on God he no way on God's green earth they're splitting up Hill and Waddle. It's what their team's designed for. I think it's a like a sense of stubbornness, you know. Like he was saying early on, we're not going to trade Jonathan Taylor. We're not going to give in to his requests and his demands. And I think that's just like an outlandish, like, okay, like if we do trade him, maybe we go after, you know, a guy who is completely unattainable and just throw a little bait out there. I don't think there was really anything behind. I don't really read too much in that report. I am super glad that our fantasy draft is tomorrow. Um, and I have another one on Sunday, knowing that he's going to start the, the year on the pup. Um, so his draft stock has fallen quite a bit. Yeah. Okay. So what are you saying for, sorry, Toss, but are you saying that because you were going to draft him? Or are you saying that because no, it's just, it's just good to know though. I it's mean, good yeah, to know, like, people were taking him with second round pick third round pick. Yeah, like, exactly. You're, you're losing him for what? Why? I don't, I don't think that's that ludicrous. Cause if he had gotten moved or if he hadn't have gotten moved and he was healthy enough to play week one, He's a second round pick or a third round pick in a fantasy draft. He is. That's his now, value. Now he's a fourth his value as a player. But it, it reeks of like Le'Veon Bell a couple years ago. Yes, it does. Sure. And... But what I like, this guy is not the same age as Le'Veon Bell was at that time. And one thing I love more than anything is depreciated assets who are very, very talented football players in fantasy. That's my favorite. Okay. Player. Then go get Alvin Kamara in like the sixth, seventh round. Or go get Jonathan Taylor in the sixth round. And now at this point, you might not have to actually, you could draft probably both of them at the same place, depending on the league. Some people see pup lifts. They see out four weeks, depending on your fantasy league. This goes back to our last show where I said to Nick, he did a great job drafting because he knows his league. If you know your league, you might end up getting Jonathan Taylor in the seventh round, in which case, like, that's great value. And why not take the chance at that point? I mean, Le'Veon was 26 and coming off an epic year. Like Le'Veon wasn't like a, he was a first overall pick type. When did you, t- you took him Nick that year? You did, right? I did. Yeah. When did you I don't take think him? I took him in the first round though. I think that was your auction league. It was, it was an auction league. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, so spent, you know, good chunk and change Coin. on, but he was a keeper. So I don't think he was like a crazy keeper. He was still mm-hmm. like in the 40, $50 range, but yeah, it was a big burned hole in my pocket. <laughs> yeah. I, it's just such a weird – it's not only is it trade requests, it's like also kind of lingering ish, injury issues. It's just so murky and so bizarre that I would rather let that be somebody else's problem. Like you get good guys in the first – like in the first six rounds, you're getting good guys, man. Like you're getting – like I'd rather go take a flyer on Terry McLaurin and hope Sam Howell was like at least competent. Well, Terry McLaurin might not be going until the sixth or seventh round in your leagues because he's going into the season banged up. So yeah, he might miss actually, one, There might rather, not be that much of a difference between those two guys, to be honest. I'm, I would ra- I would rather scary Terry than Jonathan Taylor. It's just so weird for me. 
Mm. Yeah, whatever. I'm over the saga. What else we yeah, got? I'm over. We over, what else do we got? Uh, and sticking <laughs> sticking with the pack your bags. Uh, we're gonna go to a little baseball, college football, yeah, but- then back to baseball. The whole Angels saga. I appreciate them going and acquiring all those guys, but they have put Giolito, Grichik, Renfro, Ronaldo Lopez, um, and one other guy. I'm like names escaping me. Matt Moore, who was already with the team. Sorry. All of those guys on waivers after acquiring them at the deadline. What's Do going you on appreciate here? them? I was trying. I was trying. No, no. I appreciate them going for it at the deadline. Them go. Them putting them on waivers is like you wasted prospects to get those guys. It's what an admission of failure. This is pathetic. Yeah, I mean, it kind of reeks of a guy being last place in a fantasy football league and just dropping all his players. Yeah, I mean, they're right. They, and then what happens? They're on the waiver wire, and the guy that's in the semifinals can pick one of these guys up who can really make a difference. Like, it's a good thing that the athletics are in this division, or else you'd be the worst run franchise in baseball. And unfortunately, for the I, athletics, they do exist, but maybe they're headed to greener pastures. I, I would, I, I would argue, yeah, I, I would, I would argue, argue that, they're, that they're still the worst run operation in baseball, at least with the athletics. Like, they're not trying to be something that they aren't. Like they, yeah. they understand that they're going to be bad for a minute and they're just holding their breath until they get to, to Vegas. And then it's game time. You know what I mean? I mean, they, they went out and at least retooled and got prospects when they traded play people around. It's quite the opposite for, for the angels. I mean, they gave up prospects and they're going to end up losing out on Otani and didn't get anything in return for him and is wasting two of the greatest baseball players of all time. Can they just the wave Oakland? Mike Trout at this point? Just wave Mike the Trout Oakland, too. Well, I saw Prasinski say that if Otani leaves, should Trout request a trade? Yes. Um, that's AJ Prasinski on foul territory. He was saying that. The Angels made the playoffs in 2014. That was the last time they made the playoffs. The A's also made the playoffs in 2014. Since then, the Oakland Athletics have made the playoffs in 2018 and 2019. So the A's have made the playoffs more recently than, more recently than them twice. And they made it the same time they made it. The Oakland A's, we know what they are. They have no money coming in. Every year since we've been alive, they have traded their players. They have traded the Giambis. They have tra- they have moved off of the Tejadas, the Isringhausings, the Damons. They have had everybody and their mother, Olsen, Murphy. They have everybody and their mother come through there, and they move them. Yeah, does not They're matter. They're about to get a big shot of, of capital into their veins when they move to Vegas, though. I'll tell you that. 100%. And yeah. you know what? Like, Yeah, and like this – this Angels franchise, I was trying to give him a glass half full take of like, all right, like you have Otani, you're bringing in guys and you're going to go for it. But you're right. Now they've wasted prospects. They're going to lose these guys and they're going to get them for pe- – they're going to trade these guys that they're picked up on waivers for pennies on the dollar. And if Otani leaves in free agency, which if any of us are Shohei Otani, I'd be gone every day of the week twice on Sunday. I would take I would leave LA in a taxi cab, let alone an Uber Black. Okay, I would be gone. I would be out like a light, man. Sayonara. Hook them horns, dude, if I was Shohei Otani. And they are going to get that for diddly, ridley squat. Nothing, bro. Yep. And you know what? He might end up playing against them in division with the Mariners. I'm, I'm hearing a lot of buzz that the Mariners are interested in him. And he mentioned that, you know, one of the reasons why he picked the Angels was to get a player like Mike Trout on his team. And who better replace Mike Trout than a younger version of him, Julio Rodriguez? Shabloips, dude. Shabloips. Like, it, it, 
poetry in motion, dude. Like that's like almost like it's almost like a weird like Ichiro like I bet you and we were like oh why is Ichiro not get Otani why didn't he get him like how does Ichiro not get Otani realistically if Ichiro is like is the greatest Mariner of all time how does he not get Otani and I think in a weird way this is probably not the case but maybe he knows the Angels are going to muck it up let him take them take Otani on the first contract. And they'll get Otani for the bigger, longer contract when the team is ready to play. That team was not ready when Otani was coming in. They sure are now. They sure are now. They have they are on a scorching hot streak. And before you know it, we'll move things around. So we'll do save that money for college football last while we're in baseball. We are heading into September, fellas. The AL East separated by three games, Orioles and Rays. The AL West, as the time we're recording this, everybody is tied for first place. And by everybody, the Rangers, the Astros, the Mariners. Then you got the Cubs within five of the Brew Crew. The Jays within four of the wild card. And then you have six teams all separated by like four or five games in the NL wild card. Can you, are, how good for baseball is it? Because that was a big motif we touched on at the beginning of the season. Like this is going to be a really good year for baseball. The first month was amazing. How good for baseball in the last chapter of the regular season is it there's so many tight races? It's always good when there's more competition, you yeah. know, especially when it comes down to the wire where every fan base, you know, is interested and, and keeping it interesting. I mean, I, this is the best thing possible. I mean, obviously would have loved to have a couple more teams in the hunt, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, look, there's definitely some big players like the cards, the Mets and the pods who are not in the hunt. And I would, I'm ready to stick a fork in my Red Sox. I think yep. the chickens have come to roost as again, as yep. we're recording, we're getting bamboozled once again by the Houston Astros who are really putting the hitting the hitting the crap out of the baseball. But in the AL wild card, you have the, the Jays, the Strohs, the Mariners, Rangers, and Rays, obviously one of those three uh, AL West teams won the division, but you have all teams competitive in the NL central, dude, you have Marlins, Reds, Diamondbacks, Giants, Cubs, and Phillies. You have six franchises. That means like you're saying, Nick, six fan bases fully engaged for the rest of the season in the last month. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's great for ratings. It's great just for buzz around the league. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, crazy that the betting odds still have the Padres I think as like a 10% chance to make the playoffs or something crazy like that like they should have a 1% chance of making the playoffs if they, if there were any other team this far back they'd have a 0% chance of making the playoffs it, it makes no sense to me but just seems like every single day there's worse and worse news you place you Darvish on the IL with with uh, elbow inflammation Stephen Wilson on the IL with with inflammation as well Cronenworth probably out for the season with a wrist injury I mean, it's just going downhill really, really fast right now for the Padres. And what team do you have the same record as? The Nationals, who we ended up making a crazy trade with, where they're <laughs> in the opposite situation, rebuilding, gave them our farm, and we got Juan Soto, who ends up you know, not being a great trade asset for us. You know what? That franchise is pretty good. I got to say, I got I to tip my hat. Right. If you win a World Series, you're a pretty good franchise. It's really hard to do. Thousand percent, yeah. and they're always. There was a period like we're like, ooh, like I don't know about the Nationals, but ever since the Bryce Har Bryce Harper era started, they have been a model of consistency. Dude, right. this franchise realistically should have been left for dead. Like the Corbin contract is bad. Strasburg, great career. Shout out to him. Left it all out there to take down the Astros. Pretty epic when he beat him in the World Series. That contract not good, and they'll have to pay him. 
right? For the next, you know, few years. But you lose Scherzer and you lose all this stuff and you lose Harper and you trade Juan So, which many people were like, ooh, is that you sure? And you trade, get rid of trade turner. Like, are you sure you want to make all, let Rendon walk? Like, are you making all these right moves? And yet here we stand. Their pitching has a lot, a lot to be desired. But CJ Abrams, the guy they got from you, he's come to fruition. James Woods is a top 10 prospect. Dylan Cruz is going to be epic. Lane Thomas, really underrated season. Kybert Ruiz, pretty solid. Like, all of a sudden, we're going to be sitting here in two years and the Nationals going to have a top 10 lineup again. Yeah, kind of wild. And they're not even in the mix right now. Like, and the guy, the best part about these teams in the mix, too, I want to say, so many young guys on these rosters. So many many young guys in the playoffs last year, either. Right. Like mm-hmm. I, I love that it's, it's not a changing of the guard because the Braves are going to be there and the Phillies are going to be there and the Dodgers are going to be there. The Strohs presumably and, um, and, and the Rays also, but I'm not even counting the twins, but I mean, you look at the Rangers, you look at the Mariners, you look at the Orioles, like the Brewers, I know they've been good, but like the, the Cubs, right? Like these are teams that aren't making the playoffs every single year, not recently. So for them, to be in it this year in the mix and, and be in the hunt. Like that's fun. That's exciting for those fan bases. Yeah. Absolutely. A lot of young teams, you know, who else has young teams, college football teams. Save that, that we money. Do. Save that money. Thank you. DJ Nikki snacks. Here comes the money. Here we go. Save that money. Gentlemen, the three biggest games of the weekend. Our boy brought to you by BetOnline.ag and our boy Buki Metz. Shout out to him and his family. Three biggest games of week one college football. I'm going to lay them out for you guys. I'm going to give you the spreads. I'm going to give you the totals. I'm going to give you the money line. Uh, You'll pick your favorite bet of the three, and then you will just pick down the line. Uh, Game one, LSU versus Florida State. This game could have massive Massive playoff implications in week one. Okay, spread minus two and a half in favor of LSU. The total to go over or under is 56 and a half. LSU's money line is minus 140. FSU's money line is plus 120. DJ Nikki Snacks, we'll start with you. Give me your spread, give me your total, and give me your money line. We're starting with the LSU fan. Toss, this is your team. Go for oh, it. Oh, okay. Pass uh, the buck. When it's a two and a half point spread in college football, it's nearly a pick 'em. It's 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 pretty close. So I like that spread because of that. But if you want to be more conservative, and you want to go LSU money line. By the way, I'm not picking the Seminoles. Like I just can't do it. Um, I think Jane Daniels is a beast, and I think he's <laughs> going to have a great first week. But I think more importantly, what gets me most excited to watch the LSU Tigers this year was the guy that was a freshman last year who was all over the field on the defensive side of the ball. Harold Perkins is tremendous, and I just. I buy the hype that FSU is going to be a contender to win the ACC this year. Um, But I think that LSU is a better team and they have to start the season off right if they want to make a statement and claim the SEC West. So I I like LSU spread here. Spread, you'll take a money line and then the over-under for you, 56 and a half toss? Um, I'm riding with Harold Perkins. I'm taking the under. Oh, okay. I've got the exact opposite of toss here. I think this is means the same implications for Florida State, but I really think this team is going to be disgustingly good this year. Um, I really I, I have them picked in my uh, playoff, my four teams in the playoff. I think Jordan Travis is going to have a sick year. Um, maybe not a Heisman hopeful, but a guy who's really going to light it up. Um, I think in his senior season, 
So yeah, Florida State plus two and a half over 56 and a half because I think it's going to be a shootout. And then Florida State money line. I mean, it's at home. Okay. Neutral, right? Neutral. Neutral site. But were in, going, the state of, in the state of Florida, but LSU travels well. They so. were going to Louisiana. It'd be a different story, but neutral playing field. Uh, I like Florida State here. I like, I like LSU spread. I like the under. It's early. I think that I think offenses. I know there are two returning quarterbacks, but if I am placing a bet, if you want to make some money, FSU money line ain't too bad. It is in Florida. Plus one twenty is quite nice for the Seminoles. So those will be my bets to pick. Very exciting, gentlemen. Let's keep the train moving. The Florida Gators head to the Utah Utes. Utah favored by four and a half. The over under to hit. 44 points. Utah money line minus 200. Florida money line. Uh, Florida Florida money line is plus 165. Keep in mind, Cam Rising probably not going to play. Cam Rising is not going to play. All right. Talk to me, in gentlemen. The, in the Urban Meyer Bowl. That's what I'm calling this one. Eh. Yep. Um, I think I'm still riding Utah. I think that they've got a really good defense and uh good run game. And Cam rising, no cam rising. I think it's going to be okay. This Florida team still has a lot of improvements to make. I don't think they're going to be that great this year. They lose their quarterback. They're still searching for a guy. Um, so I'll take Utah minus four and a half. I'll ride the under here, under 44. And I'm not, I mean, I don't really like taking money lines if it's minus 200, but, you know, Utah's going to win that game. Beautiful. Toss. Yeah, I'm going to ride with Nick. Uh, I'm going to take the under. I think this is going to be a defensive game where there's some offensive woes from both sides here. I like that it's at home for Utah. I think that helps them a lot. I'm also just, I'm fading the Swamp Kings doc coming out. I think that yeah. it uh, it painted yeah. Florida in too good of a light, honestly. And Left I out a lot of good juicy parts too. A ton of juicy parts. A lot of Tebow and Urban Meyer high-fiving each other. Things were gross there. Things got dirty. They got, they got sweaty. And I think that Utah... Um, hopefully they showed their team their that doc and they're and they're coming to play and and they're coming to take down the Gators. Um, I do. I'd rather take money line here than the spread, be, just because Cam Rising is not playing. Because um, I think it's a safer bet and I, I don't think it's terrible value. But for the sake of this game, I will take the spread with Nick. So I'd be the exact same bet. I three S's. You're going to Hollywood to note Graham Mertz uh, from Wisconsin, former big recruit is going to be the guy under center for the Florida Gators, but I'm with Nick too much to, to overcome from last year. If you're not going to get it done with the top five pick and Anthony Richardson, I don't anticipate you getting it done with the transfer in Mertz. Uh, last game, Tar Heels Gamecocks at South Carolina. Tar Heels are favored. We got a home dog, gentlemen, in a big game. Tar Heels are favored by one and a half, a.k.a. at Tisopolis Pick'em. The over-under to hit, 62 and a half. UNC minus 140, SC plus 110. Toss, back to you to kick us off. Yeah, battle of uh, two very talented quarterbacks here. I'm going to go with the Heisman contender and potentially second overall pick in the NFL draft. I will ride our former Longhorn head coach, Mack Brown, Drake May, UNC at home, go Tar Heels. But if you're in on the Gamecocks this year, you get spicy with this and you slam them money line and you put down a hefty amount of money there. I think I just, I can't ride with Spencer Rattler. So I will be, I will be. What was your over? What was your take on the over under? Oh, we're scoring points in this one. It's going to be a shootout. 
Yeah. Over uh, 62 and a half. DJ. Yeah, I think this is going to be like a 90-point game, to be honest. We've seen it so many times with the UNC. Um, but I do think that South Carolina Gamecocks are going to prevail here. Look, the Spencer Rattler, um, you know, slouch and then the besmirchment has been, you know, a little bit too much. And I think he had a really good season last year. I mean, obviously it didn't work out in Oklahoma, but I think this is a really big season for him to rewrite the narrative put himself back into consideration to be a first round draft pick and potentially get back into the Heisman race as well. Um, so I really like them at home as a home dog plus one and a half over mentioned that already in the money line. And on that note, riding off the coattails of my boy, DJ Nikki snacks, Kreider, we are bringing you the Josh Fisher D Jack Hobbs, lock it in for 20 million rupees lock of the week, South Carolina parlay, South Carolina plus one and a half the dogs. If you're getting spicy money line and sailing the over points, 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 gentlemen, very good stuff. Very exciting. Let's head on over for ourselves to record our little Texas show with Quan Cosby horns up. If you haven't checked that out, check it out. Fisher to Sob was DJ Nikki snacks. Crowder. We'll see you guys next time. Hit your free throws. Cause they're free. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.